0: stand with me in honor of the Word of God as I read Luke 15, 1-24. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and peace with them. So he told them this parable, One man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends. the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate the word of god for the people of god Amen.
1: It is indeed a joy to be with you again today. Thank you for your invitation. Pardon me, and for your warm welcome. Had such a good day with some of you. Pardon me, I'll say I all morning. With some of you yesterday, and I've uh, been looking forward to this opportunity to be with the body this morning.
0: Today's message
1: is titled, Seat at his table. And I don't know if you noticed, but we are really, um, societally, we're all trying to um, write each other out of good company. We're trying to find what's wrong with people and why they are us. And why. They're not one of us, and why they don't belong to us, and why you wouldn't want to thank you. You wouldn't want to keep company with them. Uh, It's obviously prevalent in social media. It's prevalent in politics. It's prevalent. I mean, it's just hard to even have a civil conversation anymore, isn't it? You feel like you're walking on eggshells around all kinds of topics. Because you just don't know which thing you're going to say is going to put you in the category of the person you're talking to, of somebody that I don't want to deal with, right? And uh, we are afflicted with this, and I wish I could say, church folk don't do it. Sometimes I wonder if church folk didn't teach the rest of folk how to do it, but I won't go there today. But I wanted to talk to you today about one theme in this marvelous chapter. I know it's familiar for most of you. But one theme in this marvelous chapter that God has just been speaking to me from, and I wanna share with you some of those things. In John 15, we're in the part of the Gospel of John, in Luke 15, we're in the part of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus, back at the end of chapter nine, has begun his final journey to Jerusalem for his crucifixion. So Luke's an unusual book because only the first eight and a half chapters uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the first eight and a half chapters uh, are like a prologue and then Jesus starts his journey to Jerusalem. And there's this long period where Jesus is teaching and gathering and speaking and all the rest. And then a long uh, several chapters of description of the week of the Passion and the Resurrection. But we're in that middle section where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem with his original disciples but all along the way he's gathering more disciples but he's not, he's gathering while he's challenging because he keeps defining and clarifying what it would mean to follow him. Because, you know, his 12 guys know, I'm on my way to be crucified. So following me means taking up your cross to follow me. He's already told them that. That's the section here. And all along, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus keeps annoying these dudes, the Pharisees and the scribes for several different reasons, all related, I think. But we're reading one of those stories where he's really annoying those people. And one of the reasons that's significant is that those people turn out to be the people who have the influence to get him killed. So that's where we are in this story. There have been previous moments in Luke where this happens. But in those first couple of verses... Jesus has all these undesirables coming to him and he seems to be enjoying himself. Now that's the thing you have to remember. If Jesus were looking at these people side eye if Jesus were rebuking these people publicly, he would not have been criticized. Agree? The criticism he's getting is because sinners are coming to him and he seems to like them. That's why he's being criticized, because he is keeping company with the wrong sort of people. And in order to address this criticism, not the first time he's received it, right? But in order to address it, he tells these three stories that are so familiar to us. The story of the shepherd with the lost lamb, the story of the woman with the lost coin, and the story of the father with the lost son. And in this context, I want you to notice some marvelous things with me that these stories have in common. And one of them I want to show you. If you have your Bibles open, you can look with me at the verses. In each of the three stories, Jesus comes back to this theme of celebrating. The first time is in the story of the lost land. And if you look at verses 5 through 7, when the shepherd has found the lost lamb, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus tells his critics, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents." than over 99 righteous persons who need no remittance. So here's Jesus doing what we just prayed in our song. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Jesus is enacting on, heaven and on earth what happens in heaven when sinners are Now look at me, verses 9 and 10. This is in the story of the woman who's found one of her ten coins that had been lost. And when she has found the coin, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Now, most of us have been at a time in our lives when one out of ten coins needs to be found. Can I get a witness? Just so, Jesus says in verse 10, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he elaborates the third parable is a big elaboration on the thing would you agree? instead of just a short little vignette he tells us this whole marvelous story that most of us are pretty familiar with but in verse 20 notice what happens when the son returns when the son expresses his remorse and when the father responds In verse 20 and the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off,
0: his father sought
1: him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him.
0: And the son said to him, and this is
1: a little speech the son had prepared, right? Father, i have sending against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, uh, there should be dot, dot, dot there. Because I'm pretty sure the father just interrupted that whole speech. I think I think this is mi- uh, misdone in our translation. I, I think that sh- there should be an interruption. There. The father is not. He doesn't want to hear it. He don't want to hear that speech. He wants to start the party. Look at what he said in twenty two. The father said to his servants, "Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring in on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate." For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to celebrate. Jesus includes us in his celebration over finding those who are lost. Jesus is celebrating, and he wants us to celebrate with him. Do you see that in all three stories? It's not just that the lost, valuable thing is found. It's that the proper response to that is a yeah you know, Thrown by Jesus, inviting. What do the, the examples say? Anybody, everybody, neighbors. The guests of neighbors. The milkman delivering milk to the neighbors. Everybody come to this party. Why? Wow. Well, that's what we're going to explore. The first thing I want you to see with me in these examples, and these are simple things, but when we neglect the simple things, we lose the joy of our salvation. Okay? It's when we let it get too complicated that we can lose the joy of this thing. Jesus seeks and finds people he values that others don't. Jesus seeks and finds people he values that others don't. Now these tax collectors and sinners were were not valued by the Pharisees and scribes because they didn't keep the rules that the Pharisees and scribes thought were most important. And these guys, um, I give them credit for at one time in in, um, Judea's history, their function was necessary. To call people to a higher standard of holiness. But then, that thing had gone to seed as it so often does, right? And now, people who didn't toe the line that had been drawn by these various scribes and Pharisees, and by the way, the Pharisees' base of operation was the synagogue. And all the good, devout Jews went to the synagogue. So they had been trained how to make God happy how to relate to God by going to the synagogue, and they were all to some degree or another pharisee Okay? But these tax collectors and and the others that would have been included sinners, they weren't even allowed at the synagogue. They were beyond the pale. They were not invited to polite company. And here Jesus comes claiming to represent the kingdom of heaven, and he likes these people. Well, one of the things that I love about these stories is in each case, the lost thing and the sought thing or person, it's clear, it's not stated, but it's it's a necessary part of the plot. If they weren't valuable, they wouldn't have been sought. Right? So there might be some shepherds in the world that can lose 1% of their flock and be cool with it. Not this shepherd. This shepherd values the lost one. And he will delegate the 99 to someone else. The lost one is his. Here's a woman. Presumably poor. Because one out of ten points is a big deal. And she does what some of us do when we lose things. She cleared everything out of the room to eliminate possibilities and just started sweeping and searching and looking, right? Uh, there are some spaces I'm responsible for in my life that would not get clean if I never lost one. <laughs> I'm only confessing that because my wife is not present. Um, Jesus is telling, story, and then of course a son. One out of two sons lost is a big deal. Particularly in a culture where only having two sons would have been considered a small family. Right? And would not have given the father great hope for the expansion of his patriarchy, right? Expansion of his
2: family. Life.
1: Jesus sees and finds what's valuable to him that other people don't value. That's Jesus. That's the Jesus we've been praying to and singing songs about and expressing our devotion to here today. That's our Jesus. And if Jesus weren't that kind of Jesus, I wouldn't be here, and you wouldn't be here. He valued you. And so he Couple things we need to do with that. First of all, we know we're valued because Jesus saw the things. Okay, if you believe anything else I've said and you turn it back around, and if you're here confessing the name of Jesus, then if you're here knowing the life of Jesus, then that means Jesus valued you enough to come after you. Congratulations. You are a recipient of the abundant grace of God. And your value, as we sang earlier, is not in any, you don't need any other thing to establish your value. You know what we'll say uh, when we're doing business, uh, something is worth what somebody will pay for. What did God pay to have you? He exchanged the life of his beloved son to have you as many sons in his family. And many daughters in his family. When you're feeling that demonic sense of worthlessness, this is where you come back. Because if Jesus sought and found you, you can't be without one. That wouldn't make any sense at all, would it? But the second thing we have to do with the saints is, if Jesus calls another person valuable, you don't get to disagree. You don't get to disagree with Jesus about the value of repentant sinners. You don't get to disagree with Jesus about a sinner he's seeking and you find it annoying. Or you disagree with their political views. Or you disagree with the way they keep their yard right next to your yard. Need I go on? Yeah. We write people off for really ridiculous reasons, don't we? Teasingly, I had a family member of mine say years ago about a sort of a prominent Christian figure. I'm sure she belongs to Jesus. I just hope her mansion is not right next to me. She was just being more honest than some of us are, right? We don't get to do that, saints. We don't get to reject anybody Jesus has sought in family.
2: Because they are
1: loved and valued by him on the same basis that you and I. We don't get to do that.
0: Let's move on from that idea
1: of being valued to the idea of celebrating. When Jesus finds these valued people, he celebrates and invites others to join him. Now, I, I want you to just think with me about the implication of these stories for how Jesus feels about repentant sinners. He said in each of those passages that I read earlier, celebration is the natural response to recovering something. valuable. Now, not all of you in here would this apply to you, but uh, you know we all know the little children's song, "Head and shoulders, knees and toes." But some of us, as we get older, are getting familiar with the, the senior adult version of that, right? Glasses, wallet, keys. and Home. You're constantly doing the motions, right? And uh, when you're missing one or more of those four and you find it, it's like, okay, here we go. I'm ready to go. I have a little mini party here, right? I've got all my stuff. I'm ready to go. By the way, uh, one of my annoyances about cold weather is. Increased layers mean increased pockets, which means I lose more things. Um, but notice that when Jesus is describing in the story of the lamb, which is an animal, and the temple, of the coin, which is an inanimate object, Jesus brings in the theme of repentance, doesn't he? He's the one That brings in the theme of repentance. Now in the son's story, repentance is obvious to us. But I don't know any other way to interpret this passage other than Jesus telling his critics, I know something you don't know about these tax collectors and sinners. They've drawn near to hear my word, parenthetically, unlike some of you know You've drawn near to critique my word. You've drawn near to draw up an indictment against me that you can take to the Romans. You've drawn near for all kinds of nefarious reasons. These people have drawn near because they've heard the sound of the announcement of the arriving kingdom of God. And they want to hear more. They want to hear more. I see repentance in their response. And that's something I know about these people you don't know. And, when, and, and what, what Jesus is highlighting here is that when sinners repent the seeker rejoices. This gives a, a, a huge clue As to how Jesus perceived his own mission. And of course he told this in uncertain terms in another place. The son of man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Right? Nice short mission statement. You could put it on a bumper sticker. To seek and to save what was lost. And so when you redeem or recover what you came to look for, of course you have a party. Of course you celebrate, and of course you invite others. So the first thing we do with this is we join the celebration Jesus is having over recovering you. Did you realize when you got up to come to church this morning that the most excited person about this meeting is Jesus he loves this meeting. He loves to gather trophies of his grace. Because if you have forgotten, he has not forgotten where he found you. If you're not sure, he is sure how much grace it took to bring you here. And so when we get every time we gather to him, and whenever A sinner comes to Jesus. We join that celebration. Whenever we see signs of a sinner coming to Jesus, we may not be yet ready to celebrate, but our inclination is to celebrate. Right? You know, when you marry into a family, you marry into a bunch of traditions you didn't know anything about. One of the things I married into is the tradition, actually, well, my father-in-law discovered this later in life. but My wife's family has a tradition of a one-minute birthday party. So if somebody's having a birthday, my father-in-law, who was a party wait, waiting to happen his entire 88 years of life, he had a little bag he kept in his car that had party hats and had those little things you blow that roll out, I don't know what you call those. Some of them made noise, some of them didn't make noise. And then he had a special hat for the birthday person that was a giant birthday cake with candles on their head. And he would actually, if he knew some, one of his friends had a birthday, and somebody was having, He would like go to a restaurant, and he'd walk into the restaurant, and he'd put a hat on everybody, singing happy birthday. He'd hand them a hat, he'd hand them something to blow, he'd put the birthday hat He'd go around once and give it to him, he'd go around once to pick it up, and then out the door he'd go. a one birthday party. He was always ready to celebrate somebody's birthday. The people of God have to be always ready to celebrate the sinner coming home to Jesus. I mean, we're just, we're ready. We've got the go bag ready for that party. Amen? which means you can't be that grumpy discerner over on the side, trying to decide if somebody else's repentance is real, not your job, not your job. Now, if you're in a place of church leadership, you have some special responsibilities, but in general, our bias has to be we're ready to join that party, and I just want to remind you in just a celebration that Jesus began on the day of his resurrection to celebrate you belonging to him you're joining his celebration he's offering to you just the sheer enjoyment of belonging to him and he gives you his broken body and his shed blood to remind you how he sought you and how he found you and how he recovered you and how committed he is to your living in his resurrected life forever. It's a big deal. And then finally I just want to call your attention that those who will not join the feast miss the point of Jesus and his. I would hate to be that guy, wouldn't you? I would hate to be the person who felt like it was his job to critique the way Jesus enjoys the wrong people instead of celebrating that another wrong person has been welcomed at the table. Right? And, you know. It's been said many times the devil does not care which ditch you're in as long as you're not on the road. So, if you're not in the ditch of just living your own prodigal life and reckless living and spending all your money on the wrong things, uh, and then you kind of, you know, you're brought up out of that ditch, if you end up in the ditch of criticizing everybody who's doing now what you used to do, you're still in a ditch. You're not in the way. You're not in the way of life. You're not in the way of joy. You've taken on a responsibility that is not yours. If you give in to that temptation. These Pharisees and scribes had a different mission in mind. Their mission was to keep everything pure. Pure. And to make sure none of the wrong people showed up at the wrong places and messed it up for the good folks. That was their mission. If you adopt that mission, you'll become like them. If you make it your business to decide who the right folks and who the wrong folks are, you'll become these scribes and Pharisees. Okay? But if your mission is Jesus' mission, that protects you from this sin. Because you know that Jesus only seeks unlikely people. Jesus only saves unqualified people. Jesus only loves unlovely people. Jesus only forgives guilty people. And that's your mission too. Your mission is to represent him in a world full of power. We must align our lives with Jesus' mission. It is not our job to critique it. It's our job to get on board. Amen? Our job is, listen, Jesus in other places this same critique. Uh, Jesus was criticized in another situation for being the friend of sinners. If you're never critiqued for being the friend of sinners, you're probably not following Jesus. If nobody ever criticizes you for befriending the wrong people, that's at least a yellow flag that we might not be better. Aren't you glad somebody wasn't worried about the reputation when they befriended you? Sadly, sometimes it's just a reputation of the church. Jesus came to seek and to say what was lost, and he has done it. He has been celebrating and inviting and welcoming ever since the day he was raised from the dead. Our life is first of all a response to that invitation, and second of all, we are authorized now, to invite others to that party. We are authorized to invite others to the party Jesus' death and resurrection has made possible and his love and mercy includes whosoever will. I haven't told you anything today most of you haven't heard. My prayer is, that if it hasn't been big in your heart, you'll repent. And you'll re-up with Jesus for the mission he's on. There are more people like we were he wants at his table. And if you're not enjoying being at the table yourself, you're not a very good representative of the table. Right? Right? The joy of the Lord is not only an honor to God, it's very attractive to people who don't know where to find joy. It's our call and our privilege to do that. This Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful to you that you are this God. You're not a God who just clarifies the standard and waits for us to meet it. You are God who leaves the privileges of heaven and becomes flesh and suffers and endures and redeems by death and resurrection. People whose sin and rebellion has caused them to be dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus, we love you for that. And we It's really pretty amazing to us that you are delighted in us. But if you're delighted in us, who are we to argue with you? We're going to delight in you. Lord, I pray that you would continue your work in Grace Brothers Church of making a community of delight. Delight in the Lord who seeks and saves light in the blessings of the table of the Lord, and the in the mission of including others in those blessings. Holy Spirit, work in us through your word here today, and make us partners with Jesus in seeking
0: Now we get our opportunity to come
1: to the table of the Lord. To join in his celebrations. I'm going to invite the servers to come. I'm going to invite you to come and to receive the elements and turn to your seat we'll be taking them together. Come down to the Thank mm-hmm. you. The night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, broke it, blessed it, and said, this is my body, broken for you. I want you to join me in a prayer, and then we will take the body of Jesus together. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for this, your body, broken for us. Broken that we might be healed. Broken that we, your body, might be healed. One, broken that we might belong to you forever. We take and eat in remembrance of you. In like manner, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and said, "This cup is the new covenant of my blood." Shed for the remission of your sins. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this, your blood. Shed for sinners like us. Shed that we might belong to you forever. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you are the one who has sought us and found us and settled forever our worth to you. We gladly receive what no one else could give us, what our souls are hungry and thirsty for. The bread of life, the water of life.
2: So, what not not drinking oh, <laughs> Light. The glory of God resting in the city of death.
0: Where is
2: your king? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, church, don't stand in the light. Tears of God, please a lot of from the dead, to over the dead by dead, oh, oh.
1: From being lost into a place where we were bound, place where we were in our sins and trespasses, abiding under your wrath, Lord, and you brought us into peace with you, in Jesus Christ, through His blood shed for us, through His body given for us, Lord. And Lord, your servants that go out and proclaim and preach your gospel. We're thankful for. We're thankful for Tom Hall. We're thankful for his ministry to us this whole weekend, and still going to go on uh, the rest of the day, and and into tomorrow as uh, we, we drive him back to Roswell to catch a plane back home. And I pray for all the rest of the time, Lord, uh, that Tom is just anointed by you to continue to pour out all the wisdom and experience that you've given him, Lord, unto us and onto Grace Harvest Church. For this word that you brought to us today, Lord. May it grow in our hearts, may it increase in us to just remember, Lord, that we were once lost. You sought us out,
2: even in just the beginnings of our repentance. You said, hurry up, put that robe on him.
1: Mm -hmm. They're mine, and let's celebrate. Praise you and we thank you for this word. Still lift our heart, let it grow, let us have this opportunity.